welcome to episode 135 of The Lab. I'm your host, Brad Martin. There are only two episodes left in this series on lucid dreaming and out-of-body experiences. If you missed it, you can get the other episodes by visiting thelabwithbrad.com. In fact, if you go back to the very first episode in this category, A Tale of Two Books, Part 2, I talked about finding a book on astral projection which is another term for an out-of-body experience, and being disappointed that there were no methods described. With absolutely no idea how to proceed, I still gave it a try. I was very young, and uh, my logic is somewhat suspect, but what I thought is that if we have a spirit, and it leaves our body, it must be some sort of instinct, still steeped in the simple religious faith of a child, I figured that that instinct gets activated whenever someone dies, or is close to death. If there is an instinct hidden somewhere within our mind, that must mean that somewhere within my mind I already know how to do this. What I do is crawl into bed for the night, relax, and ask my mind to provide me with this experience. I don't know how long it took, but I do recall the first time it worked, or was on the way to working. I was spending the night at a friend's house, curled up in a sleeping bag, lying on the floor, looking down towards my feet and the small window that was in his bedroom. The idea of astral projection had crossed my mind, and I did the same experiment. Just relax, and sort of request the experience. As I lay there, half awake, half asleep, I suddenly felt a strange, vibrating sensation, and heard a buzzing in my ears. This sensation was not as unfamiliar as you might think. Over a roughly five-year period of my life, I had had more than twenty operations on my eyes, As the doctors attempted to save what vision they could, they put me under general anesthesia. The feeling of sort of floating, the tingling, the vibrations, and the buzzing in the ears were all the same as slipping under general anesthesia. Right then and there, when it started to happen, all I could think is that maybe all those operations and going under general anesthesia so often, had broken my brain. I was afraid. I was afraid I was about to die. I started to feel like I was slipping downward and forward towards that window. I started shaking my head back and forth, but it didn't feel right. I could sort of tell it wasn't actually my real head moving back and forth, but some sort of echo of my real body. It felt like moving your head back and forth underwater. The buzzing got louder. I slipped a little farther forward. I saw the window. And then I woke up. Once I had returned, I sort of kicked myself. It occurred to me that, considering what I was trying to do, uh, 
Maybe that's just the way it felt. Maybe I had been really close. Considering how I had moved a body that wasn't my physical body, maybe it was actually working. It didn't happen again for quite a long time. It wasn't until years later that those vibrations and that heavy feeling came over me again. I don't know whether or not I would have had sleep paralysis if I hadn't been trying to get out of body. There's no way to tell. I'd have to somehow magically redo my childhood and not attempt to have an out-of-body experience. The next time it happened, years later, I can't recall if I was getting that strange buzzing sensation and sleep paralysis when I was trying to have one or if it just happened spontaneously. I do recall I was there on the bottom bunk where I always slept. I got fuzzy, buzzy, heavy, unable to move. And then I was outside of my body. But it didn't look right. I was spinning around the room, and the bunk beds were magically spinning in the opposite direction. I even thought while this was happening, hey, is this an astral projection? Have I done it? And then I saw me in that lower bunk sit up. When I woke back up, I decided that this must not be an out-of-body experience. My body had moved, or at least I'd seen it move. But my real body had not really moved. And the bunk beds certainly weren't spinning around independently. It wasn't until years later that I found out that it's very common to see things in an out-of-body experience that don't quite match the real world. I had succeeded. But because of my preconceptions, I rejected the experience. When I finally found some methods that allowed me to have an out-of-body experience deliberately, I experimented with several different variations on those methods, including embracing fear, like we talked about in the last episode, using imaginary pressure on my subtle body, like we talked about in the episode before that one, and what I eventually started calling the Zen trick. Remembering how I had actually managed to start to have out-of-body experiences without having any idea how to do so. When all I had done was ask my own mind to provide the experience. I experimented with doing what I had done as a child. Nothing. It is remarkably difficult to do nothing when you are attempting to reach a particular goal. But, of all the tricks I've used, the Zen trick has been the most consistently successful. It actually blends in with the other tricks, since I would request the experience, and then I might doze off, or I might not, but I'd reach the cusp and sort of recognize that I was there, half awake and half asleep. At that point, I'd give a push, either imagining pressure on my subtle body, or if I was feeling particularly brave, I'd start the sensation of fear. 
either way would work. There is no such thing as a method that works every single time. The best I've ever done, when I was most into this, was two or three experiences a week. I often got caught up in an illusion that I must be doing the method incorrectly, because it wouldn't work every time. And when you're trying to do nothing, it's easy to decide that you're doing nothing incorrectly. Still, the Zen trick is sort of magic. It's amazing to have these strange experiences by deliberately doing nothing. See you next time.